till I take the hand of Jesus Christ with a great big smile. We sit right down and talk a while. Charles Watson was born again on May 23, 1975, at the California Men's Colony. His transformation can best be described as amazing grace. Here's one of his messages from his early years of ministry. Praise God. You may be seated. Tonight we're going to go into a study called How to Succeed in Christian life. You know, we need to be able to succeed in our Christian life. If we were to look out across the country, across the institution, even in our Sunday morning congregation, we would see that there are a lot of people that are not succeeding. I should say a lot of Christians that are not succeeding in their Christian life. But after we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be a success. I know with me, I always wanted to be a success in anything that I've done. Now, I'm sure some of you might be that same way. Anything that I put my hands to, I wanted to succeed in that. Well, it shouldn't be any different than when you become a Christian. You should want to succeed. Maybe you have not ever desired to succeed in life before and found it almost impossible to succeed. And maybe you even came to a point in your life to where you just said, all to heck with it. I'm not even going to try to succeed anymore. But now that you're a, uh, a Christian, you need to make up your mind that you're going to be a success, that you're going to succeed in this Christian life, that you're going to overcome the devil in this Christian life in every step, you're going to have to determine and decide that you're going to be a success. Let me hear you say that tonight. Say, I'm going to be a success in this Christian life. And you have to make up your mind that you're going to succeed. Well, in making up your mind, you're also going to have to decide that you're going to have to do some things in this Christian life. God gave you the power to succeed in the person of Jesus Christ and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But now you are going to have to allow that Holy Spirit and you're going to have to allow the principles of God to rule your life. If you don't allow God to save you, you would have never had your ticket paid to go to heaven. If you don't allow God to move in your life after you get saved, you will not be a success in your Christian life. So we have to allow God to move in our life. We have to begin to allow God to do things in our life. Now, once we allow God to do things in our life and give us power in this life, even power to believe, according to John 1.12, but as we do this, we also have to become doers. We're not only to become a hearer of the word, as James says in one of his scriptures, but we're to be a doer of the word. So we're going to have to begin to do some things. We're going to have to begin to do some things. Jesus, he came to the cross and did a lot for you. He gave you eternal life and gave you the ability to go to heaven, gave you the ability to succeed in this life. Now we are going to have to begin to do something in this life. And that which I see that we do is we develop the faith that God has given us. And there are certain things that we have to do to develop our faith in Jesus Christ. See, we overcome in this world by faith. According to 1 John 5, 4, we overcome by faith in this world. Faith in the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11 says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. 
So see, we have some things to do. We have to testify, for instance. We have to get into the Word, for instance. We have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be going into some of these things that we have to do tonight. God has done everything that He's going to do. Now we've got to begin to do something. We've got to begin to develop our faith in what God did through the person of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And as we develop our faith in what God did, then we begin to walk in what he did. And that's destroy the works of the devil. In other words, we've got to begin to line our life up with what Jesus Christ did at the cross. We've got to begin to line our thinking up with the word of God. And this word delivers us. Amen. It delivers us from the enemy of this world, which is Satan. Now, number one, we want to see tonight that we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit. If you rely upon the Holy Ghost, you will succeed in this Christian life. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, we see Paul telling us what we need to do in this Christian life. We need to rely upon the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 5, 18, Paul says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I understand that in the Greek, that says to be kept continuously full of the Spirit. To be continually kept full of the Spirit. Now, when we're born again, we are recreated. We receive the Holy Spirit in our spirit. So we are full of the Holy Spirit spiritually as a new creation, as having the seed of God in our spirit. But now we need to continue to be full of the Spirit in our mind, in our thinking. We need to renew our mind with the Spirit. We need to renew our mind with the Word. And that is also being full of the Spirit. Not only full of the Spirit in your spirit, but also full of the Spirit in your mind, the Word of God. Full of the Spirit in your actions, in your body. See, first you get saved in the Spirit. Then you renew your mind and get full of the Spirit in your mind. And then your body can begin to be full of the Spirit. So you have three areas that you need to be kept continuously full of the Spirit. The first thing, you get born again. The next thing you do is renew your mind. And then your actions begin to become full of the Spirit. See, a lot of us are lacking in our actions, being full of the Spirit. Well, if you want to get your actions, if you want to be guided by the Holy Spirit, if you want to be directed by the Holy Spirit, you need to renew your mind. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, Proverbs says. So in other words, you've got to change your way of thinking, begin to think spiritual things by renewing your mind with the Word of God, and then you will be a different way. Amen? You'll be a different way. Now, over in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse number 8, we see also what he says about relying upon the Holy Spirit. We see that we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to witness. And in Acts 1, 8, it says, But you shall receive power. That word is dunamis power. It's dynamite power. Dynamite. It goes into hard, rocky places and blows things up. The power of the Holy Ghost goes into a hard mind, for instance, that you might have. You might have your mind on a set way of thinking, but the Holy Spirit will go in there through the Word of God and blow up your old thoughts and give you new way of thinking, just like he went into your old, dead, stinking, sinful, satanic spirit 
He went in there through his seed, the word of God. When you heard the word of God, he blew up that old hard spirit, that old dead satanic spirit of yours, that old man, and he changed it into a new man, changed it into a new spirit. He blew up, he destroyed the works of the devil. Amen? That was directing your life. You have to also let him come into your mind. You have to receive that dunamis power in your mind by receiving the word of God. And then also it tells us that we need to receive it in our body to be a witness. See, this power that we're talking about here in Acts 1-8, this dunamis power, it has to take control of our body, see. And in Acts 1-8, let me read that uh, on out here. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. See, the Holy Ghost was going to come upon them and they were going to receive the power and get born again. And then it says, and you shall be witnesses. See, that power of the Holy Ghost that recreated them came upon them. They began to humble themselves to the Word of God. They were already doing that in that they stayed in Jerusalem and received that power. And then they were to move out with that power as a witness. Are you with me now? Okay. We need to rely upon this Holy Spirit to be a witness in this world. Now, number two, we need to confess Jesus as Lord. Confess Jesus as Lord. You know, so many years of my life, I allowed Satan to be the Lord over my life. When you say the word Lord, what you mean is rulership. He ruled my life. Are you with me? He ruled my life. And you'd have to say the same thing. For a long time, you allowed Satan to rule your life, to be supreme in your life, to oversee your life, to overthrow your life. But now we need to let Jesus be the Lord of our life. And we have to begin to confess that out of our mouth. I'll take questions after the class. Okay, we'll have plenty of time. In Romans chapter 10, verse number 9 We'll find out where it talks about getting saved by confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord. In Romans 10, verse number 9, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. So see, we need to begin to confess with our mouth. In other words, we need to begin to speak what Jesus Christ did with our mouth. Does that make sense to you? We need to begin to confess Jesus Christ with our mouth and believe in thine heart. Now see, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When you say confess Jesus as Lord, you need to begin to confess that Jesus Christ came and resurrected from the dead and destroyed the works of the devil. See, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you confess what Jesus Christ came and did. He came and took lordship over the devil. Amen? Came and destroyed the works of the devil. John said in 1 John 1, 8 that he was manifested, 1 John 3, 8, that he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ came and took lordship over the devil. 
for you and for me to give us power to be able to overcome the enemy ourselves so we would not walk in defeat anymore and allow Satan to overcome and destroy our life. But we need to begin to confess Jesus as Lord. And here's what we got to do. We got to confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen? Now, when you say confess, that word confess means to agree or to say the same thing as God says. That's what the word confess means. It means to say the same thing as God says about Jesus. What does God say about Jesus? What does God's word say about Jesus? God's word says that Jesus came and destroyed the works of the devil, that he became Lord and ruler, amen, in this world, that his name is above every name, that he came and went down into the grave and took the keys of sin and death from the devil in Revelations 1.18 and resurrected into the kingdom of God, giving mankind victory. That's what the Word says. So we need to agree with God in what Jesus Christ did. And it says, when you do that, you shall be saved. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the heart. That word heart there is a word cardia. But the word the heart is actually a part of the soul of man. It makes up the soul of man. And it's the place where a man believes. A man believes in his soul. Or he believes in his mind. In other words, he changes his way of thinking and believes in Jesus Christ as Lord. And when he does that, the Spirit of God comes into that man and recreates his spirit and makes him right with God. See, it says that he believes in his heart. For with his heart man believeth unto righteousness. When you believed in your heart and changed your mind about Jesus Christ and came to the altar and gave your life to the Lord, you became right with God because you believed that Jesus rose from the dead, that he forgave you of your sins, that his blood cleansed you from all that sin. And you became right with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, we need to begin to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We need to begin to say that Jesus came and got victory over the devil. That Jesus Christ came and defeated the works of the devil. That he became Lord over this world and that he became Lord in our life. Amen? He came, became Lord of our life. We give him first place in our life. Not only first place spiritually by being born again, but first place in our way of thinking. See, we have to agree with the Word of God. We have to get down and begin to say what the Word says about what Jesus came and did. He became Lord. Not only Lord over this world, but he became Lord over our life, glory to God. And for anyone that will believe in him will become Lord over this world. You'll begin to be a ruler in this life. You'll begin to be a ruler over Satan. And when Satan tries to come and get you and tries to tempt you, you will let him know that you're Lord over him. Amen? Because Jesus is the Lord of your life. Are you with me? You're the ruler. It says that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Amen? See, he is the Lord, but now we're lords. We're all lords. And we become a ruler over the principalities of this world because of what Jesus Christ did for us in giving us the Holy Ghost, glory to God, and bringing us up out of that old sick, defeated, dark life into a life of victory because of our faith in that Jesus is Lord. Are you with me? That Jesus is Lord. We have to confess him as Lord. 
In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 11, we see again here that Jesus is Lord. He humbled himself, we know, and became and died upon the cross for all mankind. And in verse number 9, let's begin in verse number 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name. That's Jesus resurrecting from the dead. It says in verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. It says things in the earth and things under the earth. That's three worlds Jesus is Lord over. Amen? And it goes on to say, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. Glory to God. He is Lord over everything. He is the Lord over my life. And he lives in me for the power of the Holy Ghost. And he has made us lords in this earth. And we need to begin to confess that and know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. You need to begin to line up your way of thinking with what Jesus Christ came and did for you at Calvary. You need to line up your way of thinking with who you are in Christ, who you are, because you're a new creation. You're made right with God. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're somebody, amen? You've been lifted up out of darkness with Jesus. See, he came and became Lord, not for himself. He came and became Lord for you, glory to God. Jesus was already equal with the Father in heaven, and he became like man only to come down and pick you up and become like you and to lift you out of your sins. See, you couldn't go to God unless Jesus Christ came down and became man for you and took your place on the cross and went down into hell and lifted you up and became Lord, and he became Lord for you, glory to God, and you became Lord, glory to God, over Satan because of what Jesus Christ did. Amen? Well, I hope you're with me tonight. Verse number, point number three tonight, how to succeed. See, if you know these things, if number one, you rely upon the Holy Ghost, and number two, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, brother, you're going to be a success in this Christian life. Number three, we need to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. The best thing that I can tell you is to pray with what we've been talking about thus far in mind. In other words, don't go and pray to God thinking you're a dirty, no good, pitiful sinner. You need to go to God, and if you have sinned, confess it to God, and then say, thank you, God, for forgiving me, and now I stand here at your, as your son, and I'm entering boldly into your throne room, making a request unto you now. Amen? In other words, when you pray to God, don't go to God and, and think that you're something other than what he made you at the cross. When you go to God, Go to God and say, hey, here's your son. I'm your child. You sent Jesus. He's the Lord of lords, and, and I'm a Lord here now with you and talking to you, Father God. I humble myself before you. Glory to God. You go to him, and I tell you, when you go to him in that attitude, you won't go to him with half the request that you normally would if you didn't know that. Amen? So you need to know who you're going, who you are when you come in front of God. Yes, you need to humble yourself to the Lord. You need to humble yourself to God. But when you get there, you need to go there 
with in mind what he made you because of what he did for you in Jesus. He says in 1 uh, Thessalonians 5, 17, to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Be in the attitude of prayer at all times. Know that you're a born-again Christian. Know without a shadow of doubt what has taken place in your spirit. Know that you have become right with God. Go to God praying and thinking about at all times. You know, uh, prayer is an attitude. See, you can pray. You don't have to be moving your lips to pray to God. You don't have to be praying out loud to pray to God. See, prayer is an attitude, an attitude of prayer. In other words, when you pray to God, you can pray to God just by thinking. Most of us sit around worrying all day long and thinking about these kind of cares and these kind of concerns and this and that. And you know what we're actually doing? We're praying to the devil. Yeah, that's what we're doing. If we give the devil place in giving him thought in our mind, amen, we're not to give no place to the devil. But if we constantly roll over in our mind without ceasing, thinking of and praying and talking to God about what he has done for us, constantly thinking and rolling over in our mind and letting our attitude and our mind become like the mind of Christ. Thinking constantly about what he's done for us and the joy that he has given us because of the resurrection, the peace that he has given to us. Constantly thinking about this at all times. Constantly praying for other people that they would come into the revelation knowledge of what they are and who they are in Christ as a born-again Christian. In other words, prayer is an attitude. Let your attitude and let your, let your mind and let your thinking become like the Word of God more and more. And you know, that's part of renewing the mind. Prayer renews the mind. If you begin to pray the Word of God and think the Word of God and do the Word of God, you'll be in an attitude of prayer at all times. You know what I'm talking about? Pretty soon, you'll just be praying the Word of God. You'll be going to God. You'll be saying, God, I thank you for, for, for blessing me with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. I thank you, Father, for, for giving me Jesus, for sending him to take my place upon the cross. I thank you, Father, for making me right with you through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for I know you hear my prayer. I thank you, Father, for, for blessing my family. Father, I thank you for opening up their, their way of thinking so that they will begin to think more more about you. Father God, I ask that you move right now, Father, on the behalf of, of Brother Joe, Father, so that his thinking will begin to line up with your word and so that he'll begin to live in victory, so that he'll begin to recognize what Jesus Christ did at the cross for him. See, you'll begin to pray with your victory in mind, in other words. Are you with me tonight? In other words, you won't begin to pray thing. Oh, Father, I just ask that you bless Brother Joe. And the Lord's looking down at you. Well, Charles, I bless Brother Joe uh, uh, when I sent Jesus Christ to die for his sins. Don't, don't you think you should be praying that, that, that Brother Joe's mind will, will begin to, to wake up? But Charles, shouldn't you be praying that, 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 that uh, and use your power to bind those demons that would be attacking, attacking Brother Joe? He'd say, Charles, I, I did all I can for Brother Joe through the, through the resurrection. Begin to pray now that Brother Joe will wake up to that. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, we've got to begin to pray without ceasing, but at the same time, let's pray 
right. Amen? Let's pray in line with the Word of God, in other words. The other scripture on praying without season would be Luke 18.1. Luke 18.1. Tells us, Jesus speaking to us, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. Men ought always to pray and not faint. This is what the Amplified Bible says about that not fainting there. And this goes along with just what we've been talking about tonight. See, we're not to be faint in our, in our prayer life. In 18.1 of the Amplified Bible, Jesus says also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. See? How can we give up? How can we lose heart? And how can we be faint? And how can we be a coward if we're always praying with the victory that we have in Jesus Christ? It'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? But if we're always praying with our victory in Jesus Christ in mind, we won't be turning coward anymore because we'll know of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? I know this has revolutionized a lot of your, your prayer life because I hear you praying prayers of faith now rather than prayers of doubt. Do you hear me? You're praying prayers of faith now of what Jesus Christ has done. Not turning coward and not fainting. Well, let's go on to the next way to succeed in your Christian life. Search the Scriptures daily. And let's turn to John 5, 39, if you would, please. We need to search the Scriptures daily. John 5, 39, in your Bible, says to search the Scriptures, for in them, the Scriptures, you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Good, huh? Good. Praise God. You need to mark that scripture there. Let me read that again. Search the scriptures, for in them, the scriptures, you think you have eternal life. You think you have eternal life. In other words, you've got to begin to think that you have eternal life. You've got to begin to think in your mind that you have victory. You've got to begin to think along the lines of what the Word says. It says, uh, and they, the Scriptures, are they which testify of me. The Scriptures testify of Jesus and what Jesus Christ done. And as you begin to search the Scriptures, you begin to think of what Jesus Christ done. Glory to God. Amen. And if you always keep your mind on searching the Scriptures and thinking the Scriptures and thinking of what Jesus Christ has done, brother, you'll be walking in victory. Amen. You'll know that Jesus Christ gave you victory beyond the shadow of a doubt. Well, let's turn to another Scripture here. Searching the Scriptures daily in Acts 17, 11. Acts 17, 11 talks about the church at Berea. The church at Berea. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In other words, the people at Berea were more noble people than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word. See, you've received the word. You've not only received salvation. 
You've not only received the, the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but now you continue to receive the word. And what happens when you do that? Faith comes. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the word of God. But you have to receive the word of God. You've got to continue to develop your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't end at getting saved, in other words. Continue to develop your faith in the resurrection. And as you do that, you'll begin to know how strong you are because of what Jesus did. You'll begin to know more about the power of God. Now look at this. It says, in that they received the word with all readiness in where? Mind. They received the word in readiness in mind. With all readiness in mind. In other words, they received the word into their mind. They not only received the word into their mind and changed their mind by repenting and giving their life to the Lord, but they continued to receive the word of God with all readiness in mind. They continued to change their way of thinking and come into a greater revelation knowledge of who they are in Christ and what Jesus Christ did for them at the cross in giving them victory. They continued to build their faith and develop their faith. It goes on to say here, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You know, the greater knowledge that you come into that every word of this Bible here is so, the greater faith that you will have. Somebody said to you, well, Jesus Christ died for your sins. You're a sinner, and now you can be born again. And you say, is that so? Amen? And then you continue to study the word of God, and you say, well, that's so too. You know, and you begin to say, well, isn't that so? Yeah, it's so. And you begin to keep developing your faith. You begin to keep developing and renewing your mind to what's so. Well, what is so? Well, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's so. Amen. And they searched the scriptures daily to develop their faith in that it was so. And the greater faith that they come into the fact that Jesus Christ has rose from the dead, the greater knowledge of the Word of God which brought deliverance to the life through the resurrection, the greater that knowledge they came into the fact that that was so, the more they overcame in life. That's how to succeed. Search the Scriptures daily. I didn't have this Scripture on the screen tonight, but in 2 Timothy 2, 15, just write it down. I'm just going to quote it here from memory. It says, The study to show yourself approved unto God. Study, see, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. When you work and study the Word of God, you're not going to be ashamed. You're going to begin to line up your thinking with God's way of thinking. See? Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. See, you divide the word of truth, and the truth is that Jesus Christ came, destroyed the devil, and if you'll begin to line up your thinking with that and know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, then when the devil comes with his temptation, you won't be overcome and defeated, but you will be a successful Christian over his ways because you know Jesus gave you victory. Amen? devil comes and tries to put a lie on you, but if you know it so of what Jesus Christ done, you won't let him put a lie over on you. Amen? You know what's so, in other words. You know the Word of God. Point number five tonight, we need to attend public worship regularly. Attend public worship regularly. And the first scripture there is in Hebrews chapter 10, 
Verse number 25, a very common scripture that we have gone into before. Hebrews 10, 25. We need to attend public worship regularly. You know, when you're a member of the flocks, for instance, a flock of sheep, you know, and there's a shepherd out there over tending, over tending the, uh, the flock. And all of a sudden, this little sheep gets away from the flock. And all of a sudden, this big wolf reaches over the fence and grabs that little sheep and carries him off. Amen? Because he got away from the flock. Brother, it's the same way with us in our Christian walk. If we get away from the flock, if we don't attend Christian services regularly and get away from the flock, there's a big old wolf out there that's trying to get you. And that wolf is Satan. Amen? But if you attend worship services regularly, you'll be over here learning the Word of God. You'll begin to learn who you are in Christ. You'll begin to learn more about the resurrection. You'll begin to develop your faith. You'll begin to get excited about what Jesus Christ did. And glory, you'll be walking in victory with all the rest of us. Amen? In Hebrews 10, 25, it says to not forsake... The assembling of ourselves together. Is there anybody forsaking themselves in the assembling of themselves with others in here tonight? Well, it says here, point blank, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, this says some is. Some is. Some is forsaking themselves with the assembling of the saints. And you know, if you forsake yourself from the assembling of the saints, that big old wolf can get you. Amen. That's right. Glory to God. It says, but exhorting one another. That's what I'm doing to you tonight. I'm exhorting you to attend services. I'm exhorting you to get into the Word of God. I'm exhorting you to rely upon the Holy Ghost. I'm exhorting you to confess Jesus as Lord. I'm exhorting you to pray without ceasing. Exhorting you to search the Scriptures daily. Exhorting you to attend worship services. We need to exhort one another. And I not only need to exhort you, but you need to go out and exhort someone else. And you know, if you go out and exhort someone else from here tonight, you can bring someone else in here tomorrow night, and we'll have twice as many to exhort. And then those twice as many can go out and exhort twice as many more. And brother, we'll have this chapel full in no time. But it comes down to each one of us living a successful life. Exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching, that day that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church, there's going to be a lot of ashamed Christians because they're not living that overcoming life. And so much the more as we see that day approaching. Also, on attending public worship, we can turn to Psalms 50, verse number 5 in the Old Testament. Psalms 50, verse number 5. Praise God. Word is good, isn't it? I like coming through it and getting to know where the scriptures are. Psalms 50, verse number 5 says this. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You know, we have made a covenant with God through believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've received the new covenant, amen? We haven't went out and sacrificed anything, but I tell you what, Jesus Christ sacrificed, and now we're exhorted that we're to be a living sacrifice and living by faith and renewing our mind in what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. We're to attend worship services. Gather my saints together unto me. We're gathered together unto the Lord tonight. Amen.
Holy Ghost is living among us, inside of us. Next, we're going to see here number six, that we need to give liberally without grudgingly, without grudgingly. And this scripture is found over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7. We need to give liberally, without grudging. Every man, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, every man, that's all of us in here tonight, according as he purposes, purposes in his heart, in his mind. Amen? In other words, you should have a purpose in your heart to give. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek, I understand it to be hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. And he says, according to how much you give is according to how much you're going to receive. It's the law of God. What you sow, you reap. It's the law of sowing and reaping. In other words, we are to give. We're to be a giver. Not only give our tithes, but be giving. Giving by nature. See, our nature is total giving. Our nature is a spiritual nature, and it wants to give. But what stops it from giving? Our heart. That's why it says purposes in his heart. See? In other words, to what you purpose in your heart is how much you're going to give. Glory to God. You can stop the Spirit of God that's down inside of you from giving. By having a wrong purpose in your heart. By giving grudgingly, for instance. And it says, give not grudgingly. Giving grudgingly stops the Spirit of God from flowing from you out into your actions to give. Your hand has to reach out and give. Well, next we want to see here in Luke 6, 38 on giving liberally. Luke 6, 38. Praise God. It's good, isn't it? I love it. I love the Word. It's, it's just the Word. That's all. I preach the Word. That's all I know how to preach. Just preach the word and do the word. Luke 6, 38 says, give. Just simply says, give. Give and what shall happen? What does that say? And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men. Who? Men. Shall men, what? Give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet are the same measure that you give, with all it shall be measured or given to you again. What you sow, you reap. Amen? But it says give. Give and it shall be given. We gave our old life, our old sin-sick nature to God, and what did he do? He gave us back a brand new eternal life, a Zoe life. Amen? Glory to God. Now we're to allow that nature to be given to other people through us. Glory to God. Give, and it shall be given. We're to go forth and plant seeds, in other words. Give. Glory to God. We're going to have to move on now. Number seven. The first place that we need to think about giving, of course, is tithing. But I want to talk about number seven, giving attention to missions. Give attention to missions. We need to give to missions. If you're not a missionary yourself, and if you have not some kind of mission work that you're doing personally, you need to give to missions because the commission is that you go with the gospel. And that's found over in John 4.35. 4.35, I want to show you a scripture here. 4.35 and 36, we know about the story of the woman 
at the well. But then in John 4, 35, here it says, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. In other words, we're exhorted to give to missions by lifting up our eyes and looking upon the field. Jesus says the fields are ripe. Amen. You ever seen a big old cotton field with a lot of white cotton bowls all over the place? See, the, the, the field is ready to, to pick. The cotton is ready to pick, in other words. He says, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. Goes on to say, and he that reapeth receiveth wedges and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. Glory to God. The fruit that we're gathering is life eternal. Glory. Hallelujah. But it says, lift up your eyes and look. How many are lifting up their eyes and looking upon the field? I think we all fall short in that. But let's do it now. Let's lift up our eyes and look. And it goes on to say down in verse 36, And that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. We're going to be rejoicing together with those that come to the Lord because we have been obedient to look up and lift up our eyes upon the harvest. Then it says in verse 37, And herein is that saying true, One soweth and another reapeth. Glory to God. We're sowing and reaping, my brothers. Over in Matthew 28, we see what is better known as the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse number 18. Let's go back to verse 18, 28, 18. I have 19 on the board. But Matthew 28, 18 and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Now this is after he arose from the dead, amen? After he arose from the dead, he spoke to the disciples. He said, Hey, disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth, amen? Remember, he is the name above all names, the name above in heaven, the name above in earth, the name above below the earth. In other words, he had all power and authority. And what has he said to us? Now, he says, because I have all that power, now I'm going to give it to you. He said, go, therefore, and teach all nations. And what are we to teach them? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. You know when you baptize somebody, you're baptizing them in the name of Jesus and you're baptizing them down into that water, down into the grave, up out of that grave, into that newness of life. Glory to God. Baptizing them, letting the person recognize that because Jesus went down into the grave and because he is coming alongside of what Jesus did for that person, because he begins to agree. Brother, when you get baptized, you begin to agree that Jesus Christ went down into the grave. And you begin to agree that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You begin to agree that he gave you newness of life. Glory to God. That's why we're to go forth and baptize. And call all men to agree with what Jesus Christ did. It says to teach all nations this. And then it says teaching them. Here's what we're to teaching them. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Brother, you go back and look at the commandments that Jesus commanded us. Not only to love, he commanded his disciples to go forth and cast out devils. 
He commanded his disciples to, to speak with new tongues. He just commanded his disciples to cast out devils. He commanded his disciples to go forth upon a sinful and lost world. He says, commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus is with you, the power of the Holy Ghost, to do this work that he's asking us to do. He does it through us. We're to go. In other words, number seven, we're to give attention to missions. Praise God. Now let's go into another one here, which would be number eight, and it would be to forget self and to live for others. To forget self and to live for others. Glory to God. And let's look at a scripture that is located in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, if you'd turn there, please. And write one of these down at a time so that you'll also be able to look with me here. In Matthew chapter 20, verse number 26, we read, But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, or let him be your servant. In other words, we're talking about number eight, forgetting self and live for others. It says if you want to be great among you, if you want to be great, it says let him be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. If you want to be great and you want to be the chief, and you want to get the most out of this Christian life, and if you want to succeed, be a servant. Be a servant. It says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. For many. I want to read that verse number 28 in the Amplified Bible because it brings it out so beautifully what Jesus gave and giving himself and we having the Holy Spirit inside of us as a new creature we are to give as Jesus gave and we're all falling short in that area amen we're falling short in that area we're renewing our minds so that we will begin to give more like that but in the Amplified Bible chapter 20 verse 28 it says just as the Son of Man now that's how we're to give that's how we're to give. That's how we're to forgive, forget self and live for others. It takes a lot of giving to forget self and to live for others. But he says to do that just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on but to serve and to give. See, he gave. He gave his life as a ransom for many, the price paid to set them free. See, when you go out and give and forget yourself, and live for others, you will be living for one thing, to bring them to Jesus, to bring them to Jesus. You'll be living just as Jesus came to do, but to bring many unto God was to pay the price. In other words, we have to give. We have to give in order to win men to the Lord. We have to give. Now also, in First John 3.16, I like this scripture. One reason, because it's the same verse, 3.16, as John 3.16. You'll remember that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
But in this one here in 1 John, talking about forgetting self and live for others, in 1 John 3.16, says what we need to do. See, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, as he did in John 3.16. It says, And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Amen? When we begin to lay down our life for the brethren, when we begin to lay down our life to the ministry, when we begin to lay down our life and be a servant and sharing the gospel with everyone that we see, your life will be a success. You will begin to live a successful Christian life. Number nine, we need to witness to someone daily. And we've been leading up to this. If you're going to be a success in this Christian life, it's going to mean that you're going to bring others to Jesus. I had some uh, statistics go across my desk the other day, and it said that 95% of the body of Christ never led anyone to Jesus. That means only 5% are leading people to Jesus in the body of Christ. Praise God. Well, not praise God that that's happening. But praise God that we're waking up to the fact that we need to begin to lead people to Jesus. Number nine, we need to witness to someone daily. Let's make a point in our life to witness to someone daily. And in Acts chapter 2, we see after the Holy Spirit was given and after Peter preached his dy dynamic uh, sermon in Acts 2 and 3,000 people gave their life to the Lord in Acts 2, we see that in Acts 2, 42, it says that, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. After they got saved, they continued in the doctrine, they continued in fellowship, they broke the bread together, the Lord's Supper, in other words, the remembrance of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then it also says that they continue in prayer, in prayer. And then it goes on to say, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. And every man had need, as every man had need. And number 46, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It says there that they were praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In other words, we're to witness to someone daily. Witness to someone daily. And it says here that they were in the word of God. They were together in one accord. They were praising God, having favor with all people. Amen. See, if your ways please, please the Lord, and if you're in the word of God... If you're in prayer and in fellowship with God, you're not only going to be pleasing unto God, but you're going to have favor with people. Amen? You're going to move up and love that person. And when that happens, it says, and the Lord added to the church daily. 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 Daily witnessing. Glory to God. If you're going to be a success, you need to daily witness in your Christian life. Number 10, we need to keep growing in grace. Keep growing in grace. You know, when you come to Jesus, let's be turning to 1 Peter uh, 2.21, or 2.1. When you come to Jesus, it just doesn't end there. It just doesn't end with coming down. I imagine all of you have come down to the altar one time or the other and given your life to the Lord. But the ones of you that are now studying and growing, you know that after that, it just doesn't end there. 
If you just let it in there, you can go back over to your unit or go back home where you live, and you can just be, be the same old person that you always were. You said, oh, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord yesterday. And then before long, you never get into the Word. You say, well, I remember back a few years ago when I gave my life to the Lord, you know. And uh, you just never grow anymore. See, uh, giving your life to the Lord and becoming a new creation takes care of you spiritually, but it doesn't take care of your, you, you mentally. You have to begin to grow and renew your mind. In other words, develop your faith. And it says here in, in chapter 2, uh, it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and all hypocrisy, and envying and evil speakings. That's what we was doing before we came to Jesus. Then it says in verse 2 there, as newborn babes. See, when we come to the Lord, we're a babe in the Lord. We've been born again 100% spiritually, but we're a babe in our way of thinking. Amen? We haven't learned how to talk yet, in other words. We're just a baby. We're just going around saying, for God so loved the good, good world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's about all we know, you know. We know we gave our life to the Lord. We have to begin to learn how to talk as a baby, as a baby Christian. We have to begin to learn the Word of God. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that they may grow thereby. You have to begin to grow in the Word of God and begin to speak the Word of God. Now, over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, it tells us what we need to grow in. What we need to grow in in 2 Peter 3, 18, it tells us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's as far as I go. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. This is a heavy thing I want to bring out right here. We need to grow in the grace. Where did the grace of God appear? It appeared at Calvary. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you grow in the grace and knowledge of some person, for instance, George Washington, you would grow in the knowledge that he was president of the United States. You'd grow in the knowledge of what he did while he was president. Well, when you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you grow in the knowledge of what Jesus did. You grow in the knowledge of who you are in Christ and what you are in Christ because of, death, of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You begin to grow in the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Paul says, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Philippians 3.10. Uh, Knowing the power of God, growing in the knowledge of his resurrection. In Ephesians 4.12, he tells us how we're to do this. And you're doing it right tonight. You're out here hearing the word of God spoken. And it says in uh, Ephesians, uh, beginning with 4.11, let's start, Ephesians 4.11, he says that there was given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. How? What for? What did he give those for? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. See, you're over here tonight, you're hearing a preacher or a teacher so that you can be perfected and so that you can mature. And then when you mature, it says that you mature for the work of the ministry. So you're going to go out and do the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, you're going to go out and charge up the body of Christ and teach them the word of God. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, we're going to all be unified to believe and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil and gave the church victory. Amen. Glory to God. Going to come into the unity of that faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, the knowledge that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Glory to God. And the greater knowledge you come into that, the greater freedom that you have in this life. Amen. To be a successful Christian. Unto a perfect man or a mature man, a mature man, a successful Christian man. 
unto the measure of the statutes of the fullness of Christ. Glory to God, you come into the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. You not only get full of Christ spiritually, you get full of Christ mentally or soulishly, and you become bodily walking as a little Christ in this world. Full of Christ, the fullness of Christ. Full spiritually, mentally, and bodily, that you might be that whole man as Paul prayed in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. But going on here, it goes on to say that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sly men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Glory, you get a good knowledge of the resurrection so that you won't be tossed about by every wind and doctrine and the old devil and temptations and wavering here and there as James says in James 1, 5, uh, 1 uh, uh, 4 and 5. Wavering faith. So that you won't have wavering faith. But here's what we say to do in verse 15. But speaking the truth that Jesus rose from the dead in love, that we may grow up into him, into being more like Jesus, in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which is that whichever joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Brother, we're to get a good knowledge of Jesus Christ and begin to edify one another and come into a great knowledge of that. And it comes through all of us. Amen. See, it says the measure of every part, working in the measure, the effectual working of the measure in every part of the body, every part of your life. Number 11, we need to memorize the Word. Memorize the Word. Memorize Scriptures. You've heard me quote several tonight by heart. Well, we need to memorize the, the Scripture. Uh, number 11 would be uh, Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 11. We're going to have to move on here real quickly. Psalm 19, verse 11. Memorize the Scripture says that thy word have I hid in mine heart. That's the mind. You hide the word in your mind that you will not sin or might not sin against thee. Hide the word in your mind. Daniel 12, 3, talking about memorizing the word of God. You'll just want to write this down. In Daniel 12, 3, it says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel 12, 3. In other words, memorize, memorize the Word of God. Then lastly tonight, carry your Bible or your Testament with you always. Begin to carry it around the institution. Begin to carry it around when you get outside. And in Titus, Titus chapter 1, about carrying your Bible around with you, in Titus 1.9, it says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. In other words, we're to go out and convince people with the word of God to believe in Jesus Christ. And we need to have our sword with us. Philippians 2.16, talking about carrying your Bible uh, with you in Philippians uh, 2.16 here, we read the following. 2.16 of Philippians, holding forth the word 
in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Brother, we need to carry the word. We need to hold the word of God fast and forth. Amen? Glory to God. Well, praise God. If you'll begin to put these things into your life, if you'll begin to put them to work in your life, you'll become a successful Christian in this world. In this institution, when you get out, you'll become a successful Christian. You'll continually grow in the faith and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You'll get out of this institution and you'll stay out. You won't come back in here. Amen? In other words, you have to begin to develop your thinking. You have to become sound in doctrine. You have to become sound in faith. You have to become sound in mind so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a conqueror and a success in this Christian life. And if you don't do it while you here and got a chance, it's nobody's fault but you. Amen? You got every chance to become sound in your faith. And when Satan tries to come and toss you to and throw, you don't let him. It's just as simple as that. You know that you're a conqueror. Well, praise God.